New Year, New Problems on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And yes, I have a 21st century problem, Joel. Uh-oh. You see what I'm holding in my hand? That is an iPod Nano? Yep. And you okay. want to know what? It's now... Don't work no more? A paperweight. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. No, it can't be broken. Here's the problem with it. The There's a little button here. There's a power button on the top. Yep. Uh, it's stuck. It's like you can't unstick it. You keep pressing mm. it. it. Sometimes it might work. Sometimes it won't. So it's not technically dead. I just need to find someone that can fix that button. I don't know if they can do that. They probably have to ship it back to the factory. They probably don't yeah, support don't it. Who knows? So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm killing my battery on my phone from now on. I've got Bluetooth headphones and listening on my phone, and uh, I don't know how you people do it. I really don't. And and the worst part is I discovered like the range on of my Bluetooth headphones is not very far. So mm. we were talking before we started the podcast about mowing the lawn. Like I don't have a central point to put my phone to maintain the Bluetooth connection. So you got to carry the phone in your pocket. Well, I get sweaty. Like I, I can't sweat get all over pack, my Jay. Can't sweat all over my phone. A fanny pack. Oh my god. I've got I've got one of those uh I got one of those runner's belts that I occasionally use sometimes. Like I like I put it up under my shirt and it's it's just like a tight piece of um, you know, elastic or something basically, and it's got a little pocket in the front and a little pocket in the back. You can put like your keys in it or your phone or something like that. Uh it's not exactly a fanny pack, but it's pretty close to one. I use that occasionally when I'm running or like if I'm gonna mow the yard and I'm wearing like my track shorts, they don't have pockets in it, or they have like loose pockets. That's what I do. As far as the battery thing goes, because I'm I'm currently my my phone. We're a little off track here, but we'll get to the news in a minute. No, folks. we talked. You uh, said problems. You said new problems. Exactly. And these are real world problems. So so I'm using the iPhone seven, which at this point is my my iPhone seven. I bought it late in the cycle, but that it's almost three years old now anyway. Uh, so the battery is significantly degraded. I got the. I got the warning, the notification like a week ago or two weeks ago that said, hey, your phone shut down because of a battery issue. <clears throat> uh, you're going to experience reduced performance from here on out, et cetera, et cetera. So, so like it's running at a, at a reduced capacity right now. However, I also, from day one, I bought the smart battery pack. Uh, so for the iPhone seven, I think was the first time that they made this. It's, it's the one that Apple made with like the big hump oh, on yeah, the back yeah, yeah. and it's effectively twice the battery. So oh. when I start in the morning, I've got 200% battery instead of a hundred percent is, and it keeps my phone charged all day. So a lot of times I'll get to like the afternoon and only then does my phone actually begin to drain its battery because I've been using the battery case before then. Um, it's, that's something I will highly recommend. When I upgrade, my plan is to upgrade to the iPhone 11 sometime this year, and there is a smart battery case for the 11 as well. I will probably just go ahead and get the smart battery case as well. The, the iPhone 11 has like four hours more battery life than this one's supposed to, I think, or five hours more battery life to hmm. begin with. 
So, Jay, I think for most people what happens is they just end up upgrading often enough to where the the battery life on their phone does not get degraded to the point where they really notice that, even if they're pretty heavy podcast users. Um, the way that I've gotten around it, because I'm a super heavy podcast listener, is I've, I've used that extra battery all this time that I've been using the phone. And even now, you know, three years into the life of the thing, it's starting to be a hassle for me too. Uh, I will say... I also offload some of my podcast listening to my iPad. That's another way that I cheat that you don't have. You don't have no. that secondary device to flip back and forth from. So I think there are some some varieties of ways that, that people sort of get around that, especially the, the folks that sit in an office all day, unlike you or me. They probably they're listening on their office computer. They're they're playing YouTube videos and listening in the background, or actually connecting to you know a podcast and and listening to it there. Whether it's an app like Pocket Cast or um, or or even if they're on a Mac, they're using the new Apple Podcast app. Which I got to tell you, I've been using a little bit myself. Here's another little update. I thought when you said that your your iPod didn't work anymore, I thought maybe you had finally updated to Catalina. Um, with with Catalina, obviously the new version of Mac OS, the Apple Podcast app is out there. I find it's really clean on on the Mac. I I have used it a lot for. I end up using it not to listen to, but to search all the time when I'm talking to a client or we're mm. thinking about a new show or I'm thinking about show titles for some reason or another. I use the directory a lot. It's very handy to open up very quickly and get in and out of the directory. Whereas before you had to wait for iTunes to launch, which was always such a big thing. I, I got to tell you, I like that it's a separate app now. I'm enjoying it, even the little bit that I do use it. I'm sorry about your iPod, Jay. Uh, I, I, it'll be interesting to hear how you end up fixing that, whether you actually get it fixed or whether you replace the device. I mean, what are your options at this point? You, I guess you could get one of those little... Spotify makes a little thing like that, don't they? I don't know. I don't know if they do or not. I mean, I prefer... Here's the thing. <clears throat> I, I, As an old school guy, uh, you end up loving what you learn. And I learned when podcasting first started that you download the content, you put it on a separate device and you go around with that separate device. That's how I prefer my listening. Now, the this died about a week and a half ago or so. So I've been uh, listening via uh, a certain service. It might be the title <laughs> service of our, uh, of our uh, show today. But... Um, I gotta say, I'm I'm having trouble getting into that type of behavior. Uh, I'm not, you know, if I I gotta turn on the Bluetooth first of all on my phone, and then I gotta turn it off because I am very battery conscious. It does suck the battery. Like I leave for the gym at five o'clock in the morning because I gotta bring my son to football weight training. Then I go to the gym and I'm working out, and then I pick him up and I'm home by six thirty. My phone's already at seventy nine percent. At that point, that's a ton of battery life. That's why I just don't get like if I take a trip to the city, for instance, which I've done multiple times and I'm on the train for about two and a half hours, my battery is going to be down to like 40, 30 percent by the time I make it to New York. So that's not reasonable because my I, I got to have a full battery once I'm in the city just to get around the city for crying out loud. But anyway, like I said. 21st century problems. That's what I've got. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about some of the potential new problems here in 
Um, well, I don't know. There's an argument about what decade it is or whether the decade has changed. I believe the decades start with the zeros, so this is a new one. Uh, and and one of the first things that happened is um, an interesting announcement from Spotify. This is uh, the article that we've linked to is from TechCrunch. Spotify brings streaming ad insertion technology to podcasts. Jay, you shared this in uh, I think the podcast movement group. We're like, well, here it comes. Yep. So it begins. What's next? Uh, talk us through this. So Spotify is going to bring their streaming ad insertion technology, which they acquired, if you recall, from their acquisition of Anchor. They are now using it on the Spotify platform for their owned content only at this particular point in time. They do have plans to expand to partners. My guess is that would be larger partners, not every partner that is part of the Spotify group. And it does beg the question, if Spotify is now going to make money off of the podcasts on their platform, what would be their impetus to continue to drive listening to non-monetized podcasts on their platform? That's my question. So the short answer I would say, and I started to reply to this in the post that you made, and then I said, well, I'll save it for the show. Good job. So here's the argument, Jay. We, We have talked about it before. Every minute of podcast listening done through a Spotify app is a minute that they're not paying an artist royalties. So there is a net gain for podcast listening, even if they're not actively making money, uh, via that content. They're already not losing money, which they which their native product does for them, right? Uh, their native product costs them things. So if they're switching listeners more and more to podcasts, even if they're listening to our podcast or somebody else's podcast that's got dynamic ads inserted in it already, uh, you know, from Libsyn or Spreaker or whatever, there's still, it's a net gain for them because the average listener is providing some amount of revenue to them through the ads that you hear in between content already. And since you're a podcast listener, not a music listener, you're not losing any of that ad revenue back to them. I mean, I, I think, I think there is still a cause you're right in that there is more to gain, right? Right. From, from the content that they own, from the content that they're monetizing directly. What I think this will do is I think if they have any success with it, it will cause them to further their rollout of partnerships. I think the, when they purchased uh, anchor, you and I talked about, this is going to start at the top, right? It's about we're buying Gimlet and we're using Anchor's ads and we're putting those together. But we always thought the play was eventually going to be pure media hosting and let us serve dynamic ads in your content and we'll make you money as well. Like podcasters already are mad. You you see it in the groups on a regular basis. Why don't we get paid royalties like uh, musicians do? This will be Spotify's answer to that before it ever becomes an actual fervor because most podcasters understand the difference and they're not asking that question. The newbies, though, are. And before it ever becomes a cloud, Spotify will go, all you have to do is host with us. And it's not going to be large. It's going to be small. It will most, I guarantee you, based on a little bit of inside information, that it's going to be less than the industry standard 60-40 split where the 
podcaster gets the 60 and the platform gets the 40. Uh, all you have to do in regards to that is look at the royalties that they do pay the musicians that are on their platform. It is like 2080 and 20 is going to the musician. Um, that's a huge, I mean, you, if you're a small podcaster and we've, and we've highlighted it before, especially with other platforms that offer the dynamic ads and how much you can make. I went through, I think I made almost $365 this past year with the ads on my podcast that gets about 150 to 200 listens per episode. Uh, so I'm fairly happy with that. I'll take that bit of chunk of change and gladly reuse it to try and market the podcast and other things like that. Well, and as we've always said, you're also saving the hosting costs, right? right? That's the thing that nobody talks about is there's a $20 a month that you're not paying that most podcasters are. Right. And and even if I were forced to pay that, well, that amount just covered that cost. So in any case, um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be small and it'll be smaller than that. So if you do get a royalty from Spotify, it's gonna be smaller than what I just said. So if you think the number that I just said is is way too small for me, well, get ready because the number will be even smaller on Spotify. Again, I don't think they will make this available to everyone, Joel. I don't think they'll see the value um for the smaller podcast. Well, maybe they will see the value for the smaller podcaster, but there's going to be bigger names in the podcasting space that will be like, do you really want to make 20 cents a podcast uh, by putting ads in your show? I mean, that's going to happen if it hasn't already. To that degree, I've seen a lot of the hubbub about, well, they're really cringing on privacy. There's a whole privacy thing going on right now in the podcast industry. Uh, who's who's protecting your information? Da, da, da. Uh, FYI, if you are a Spotify user, you have opted in to their privacy, uh, whether you know it or not, uh, whether they hide it or not. But you sign up for Spotify and you give them and you sign up for an account on Spotify, you have accepted their privacy. Um, so they're they're not violating any listener privacy there. They may be. I want to use the right word. Um, not as forthright about protecting your privacy as you may think they are, but uh, you've signed up and you've agreed to give over that amount of information to Spotify, which they will then, of course, use to target the, the ads that are right for you. Now, if you don't like that, then you don't use the Spotify platform, but Spotify ain't the only place where that type of thing is going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen on a lot more platforms than I think you might even realize. So, um, so it begins. It's funny. I, I predicted, <laughs> we talked about this on podcast, my predictions for 2020 were more ads and boom, right out of the gate, more ads come in to podcasting. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think this, honestly, for most of our listeners, I don't think this is going to affect them. I think our listeners are that podcasting middle class. They are people who know what their show is, what their audience is, and many of them already have their basic beliefs or ideas on what their monetization strategy is or is not going to be. And so these are all just interesting trends. What I see, though, is this is one step closer to a YouTube model for podcasting. 
I don't think that's ever going to be the only model. I don't even think it's going to be necessarily the dominant model, but I do see, we've talked about this before, our son's generation of potential content creators, I think they're going to want a service closer to YouTube or Instagram than what podcasting is today if they're going to create audio content. So Spotify here is building it effectively. Well, and we've seen there's been a couple of stories that have come out since the new year began that Spotify is already uh, more listened to than the Apple platform um, in some circles. And so it's growing and it's growing fast. And this is sort of, um, hmm, again, I want to make sure I'm using the right words because I don't want to, I want to be accused that I'm accusing Spotify of anything. However, this is a typical business transaction where you bring everybody in, get them used to this experience, get them to like it. And then you got them snap. They can't live without you. And now you're going to hit them with a maybe a little bit of a fee here and maybe a little of a fee there or maybe an ad here or maybe an ad there and you can't do without it like it's become part of your habit that's something that typically happens in in business and i don't think it's unlikely for that to not happen in this particular case i'm you used a lot of negatives there i don't even know if i've made the right choice of words no, I, th I think you. I think you did just fine there. So the our second story is very much connected to this. Uh, friend of mine, Tanner Campbell from the Podcast Editors Club group on Facebook that Steve Stewart runs. Uh, he actually posted an article about Spotify podcast ads, and then this is a follow up to it. Moving forward, how will Spotify handle ads? So the question was asked in response to his original article. Is Spotify going to be adding ads regardless of podcasters' interest in it or do podcasters need to opt in? Um, and so this is sort of Tanner doing a thought experiment, basically, on how he imagines Spotify is going to push the ads in their content and how it's going to work depending upon their other current business models. Um, so he starts with Spotify's got free and paid memberships, right? This is something, for instance, Apple Podcasts doesn't have. There's no way to pay for Apple Podcasts currently. We've talked about the potential for that to come down the road because Apple is making this big services push. I was listening to a podcast uh, uh, yesterday. They were talking about the last Apple uh, shareholder meeting. Services and wearables combined in just like the last three years, has gone from like 10% of the company to more than 30% of the company's total revenue in the last year, the services and wearables put together. And both of them are growing. In the last year, I think they grew like 50% year over year. So huge leaps and bounds. It's entirely possible that Apple may push in there. But right now, Spotify has something that they don't have. You can get it for free with ads in your content. Like basically every time I turn on Spotify, they tell me, Hey, listen to this 30-second ad, and then you'll get 30 minutes uninterrupted. I don't know what the normal process is. That's how I seem to experience it. But I also don't use Spotify very much for music. I use it for uh, podcasts almost exclusively when I listen to it at all. They've got an individual plan for $9.99 a month. You can listen to music ad-free, play anywhere, even offline, so you can download tracks. Uh, there's on-demand playback, of course, uh, which is that's the big thing that I would be willing to pay for. Is like right now, if I want to play a song, a specific song, and I go to search Spotify for it, 
it doesn't let me play that song, right? It plays a playlist that will include that song somewhere along the way, and it's based on that song, the playlist is. It's why I end up, when I want a single song played, I end up using YouTube because I know that I might can watch like a five-second or a 15-second ad or something, and then I'll get to hear the song, the specific song that I want to hear. Um, their family plans $14.99 a month. You can get up to six accounts. Now, we've thought about this, and when my sons are a little older, when they're a little bit more music-focused, I think we probably will do it because that'll take care of mom and me and the kids as well. Six premium accounts for family members. You've got a family mix, a playlist for the whole family. That's pretty cool, I think. You can block explicit music on individual accounts and uh, ad-free music listening. So you, So that's, again, the big thing is, like, skip all of those ads. When you have these paid accounts... I think it really changes the dynamic, and I don't think that any. Here's the basic thing, and and I and then we'll get to what Tanner actually says. I think that these ads are not going to be overly aggressive. What they're talking about doing for podcasting, I don't think it's going to be insane. I think it is going to be effectively them eating, you know, mid rolls lunch. That's what they want to do. It's not. It's not about making more ads. I think it's about taking over a big position in the ad space of podcasting. Well, part of what Tanner is talking about in his blog, and I, you know, very disappointed that you didn't uh, curse Tanner for using medium.com. Yeah, I, it's just, I'm so, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost over it at this point. I'm almost over it. Tanner should know better though. Tanner especially should know better because as a, he's in the podcast editors club, you have to brand yourself, get yourself a website. And when you get yourself a website, Put your blog on your website. <laughs> Thank you. I listen. Listen, I live website. for these things. These little things, Joel. I live for these. I need I'm you sorry. to continue. I need so to here, have this. Here's in my the life. thing. Like six years ago, I wrote a post called How How and Why to Build a Podcast Network. And and I put that post up on my personal blog, first of all, and then I moved it over to my business blog after I created this current website. That is still the thing that gets the most traffic every single week because it's a very, it's a commonly asked question. People, they start podcasting, they want to start another one. They're like, well, well, how does a network work? I should just start a network. I wish, Jay, that I could come up with anything else that was as interesting to the internet as large, at large as that blog post. Mm. But if I had posted it to Medium, it wouldn't bring me a single client or, or interest to my website ever. <laughs> Shame on you, Tanner. Okay. Now, anyway, what is Tanner's so, argument? So Tanner's, so Tanner's theory is that, um, you know, and he uses Hulu as, as his prime example. Hulu has a pricing tier where it's $5.99 a month. That gives you Hulu but ads. Eleven ninety nine gives you Hulu and no ads. Fifty four ninety nine a month gives you Hulu and live TV with ads, and sixteen ninety nine a month gives you Hulu with no ads and live TV. Now, it's interesting he's using the Hulu example because this is the question that I have: If Spotify were to start and introduce this same type of idea, where they could offer premium at 9.99 a month but premium and podcasts at like 12.99 16.99 a month uh and he's using some very raw and says terrible math uh in guessing that Spotify would have a $35 CPM average of 1000 subscribers uh consuming 3 podcasts a day it's $105 worth of ad revenue per 1000 subscribers 
Uh, so hypothetically, based on his internet blog math, uh, Spotify would need to earn thirty-one fifty or better per month per one thousand subscribers, and that comes out to about three dollars and fifteen cents per subscriber. So take nine ninety-nine a month, add three fifteen, and you get what could be a premium plus podcasts per month. My question would be. People pay for premium for a no ad experience. Now, I have seen Spotify's mentioned it's no ads from them. <laughs> there could still be ads from the podcaster in the podcast that they're listening to. They have gone from what used to be a closed system where every podcast host needed to create a separate feed that was ad free to go to their platform. They are now open source. So, uh, anything that's flowing through is coming directly from the host. If you're on a host like I am that uses dynamic ad insertion, I'm using ads from my particular host. How would Spotify regulate this? Because Spotify is still going to want the money, right? Spotify is looking to make money off of your content. That's the bottom line here with all of this. With them putting ads uh, on podcasts, this is Spotify's way of making money off of podcasting. That's making money off of your content. How will they manage... The premium, Let, let's say if they, they offer this premium thing, how are they going to give my podcast with no ads? How, how are they going to manage that? I, I don't know how. I don't see a way for them to herd all the cats once again and create a closed system. Maybe because it was once created by all the podcast hosts, it's something that can be replicated again. Or maybe they just won't bother. Maybe they'll just be like, listen, there's ads on the podcasts in the premium feed because the podcaster is putting the ads there. I don't know. Uh, that's clearly not going to be to their best interest because as soon as people purchase premium plus podcasts and expecting a no ad experience and they get ads, even if the podcaster is doing it, they're not going to blame the podcaster. They're going to blame Spotify and they're not going to pay Spotify the extra premium for premium plus podcasts. It's an interesting hurdle that Spotify will have to, uh, jump over i'm i'm intrigued by his idea i do not think i i think that podcasts even in the like three to five year range for spotify is still sort of small potatoes in their radar and i don't think they have any plan for it to be anything other than a value add so i i don't imagine that they're going to charge more to be able to skip ads and podcasts I do think that pr premium subscribers will get ads and podcasts. <laughs> I think they're just going to, I think that's going to be understood as a different format. Mm. Much like his Hulu example. Okay. So Hulu, uh, I'm on the $11.99 a month plan because Hulu had so many ads and their ad load was so small. What, what you'd get is you'd watch one 30 minute program and you'd get the same <laughs> right. ad like three times. That was, that was a problem for me. So I didn't want to stay with the five 99 plan. I'm willing to pay the six bucks extra and get no ads. I don't need live TV. I've actually still got, I've got a really cheap cable deal. So we technically have cable. If we want to watch live TV, we just don't ever use it effectively. However, if I was paying $54.99 a month for the live television, I would find myself personally almost never using the actual Hulu streaming product because, if you'll notice, 
that version is not Hulu without ads. So you can watch live TV with their DVR. They've got like a cloud DVR thing you can use, right? And I can record a program and then skip through it, mm. skip the commercials. Or I could stream the program. First of all, Hulu, the, ad, the, the programs only come out a day after they're actually... So if you're doing live TV, I could watch you know, uh, the Goldbergs tonight, it's only going to be available tomorrow on Hulu streaming. And if I DVR it with live TV, I'm going to be able to skip through the ads. If I wait until tomorrow and stream it, there's going to be three of the same, you know, I don't know, uh, huggy commercial or whatever. Like that's a bad experience, even though I'm paying way more than $12 a month, which is what I'm paying right now for Hulu. So, you see what I'm saying? Like they've yeah. got a weird tier there and it's because the extra money is being paid for something else that I understand that. I don't think Spotify is going to do that. I, what I think Spotify is going to say, these are two different things. I mean, I guess that's what Hulu is doing. There's live television and then there, there's our streaming product and you can get both in a in a bundle. And I think they're going to say the podcasts are different. The podcasts are available to everyone. Podcasts include advertising. It's. It, I'm glad you brought up the DVR thing because in my 21st century world, in my family, in my household, we literally DVR everything we plan to watch, even if we plan on watching it live when it happens. Uh, the only thing we don't DVR live is sporting events. Essentially, we say we are making ourselves available for a sporting event live as it happens. My wife has suggested numerous times, why don't you just record the game like you record everything else? And I'm like, uh, no, they won't hear me yelling at them through the TV screen if I watch it unrecorded. Never mind the fact that I'm already seeing the show probably 20, 30 seconds after the play has actually happened. That's a whole nother story. Anyway, but we do. We, that's that. That's our use case. We record everything so that we can watch it on our DVR and skip through the television ads to the point where we'll actually say if we're watching an hour-long family program at 8 o'clock that comes on at 8 o'clock, we won't actually start it until 8.20 so that we actually whoosh, zip right through the commercials. We're all done at 9. Everybody goes off to their own rooms, go to bed, whatever. Um so yeah, we that that's the use case. We hate it when we are unfortunately left to uh, we only get four streams. Three of them are in HD, one is in SD. So if we have a particularly busy night, Wednesday nights tend to be fairly busy and we have to record a bunch of stuff and somebody wants to watch something else, they either have to watch it in SD or they can't watch it. We have to see if the show is replayed at a later date. My wife is big into the Bravo reality TV shows. Those are almost always repeated at a later time uh, so that we can record those at the later time, which actually gets her upset because then she's like, well, I'm available to watch the show at nine, but you're recording the version that doesn't come on until 11. Like, what? what? Why can't I get my show recorded? I'm like, because your show actually gets recorded later on. So you're just gonna have to watch it tomorrow. Um Whereas I'm watching Survivor and then I'm going to listen to the Survivor podcast tomorrow morning. All right. So there. Uh, anyway. But yeah, that, that's why we hate watching on demand because you can't fast forward through the commercials. I'll be curious to see if, if a lot of this type of behavior ends up translating into audio. I think, I think it already has and I think some of it will. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's something that I know Rob Walsh has been talking about forever. People can just hit that, you know, if they've got ear pods and my kids got ear pods for Christmas this year, all they do is double tap on that headphone and 30 seconds ahead, they're no longer listening to your ad anymore. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more ad skipping. So while there's going to be more ads coming into podcasting, there's probably going to be more ad skipping as well. Well, it's it's the uh, it's the eternal cat and mouse game, right? I mean, that's that's why it's one of the reasons why the advertisers want so much more tracking because they want to actually know what ad content was taken in, as opposed to just available right. for the uh, the listener too. Um, anyway, thank you, Tanner, for the interesting idea. Uh, like I said, I don't totally agree, but. It is something that we all need to be aware of moving forward because Spotify is making a big play, which means that Apple will eventually respond in some sort of way as well. So, again, be ready for shifting sands this year. All right, let's move to uh, a Pacific content article. These folks are always – they've always got good stuff for us. Uh, A show for everybody is a show for nobody, Jay. Uh, How we develop new podcasts at Pacific content – um, our approach to collaborative show creation with brands. We've talked about this. I mean, this is really what Pacific Content is known for, is they work with these large companies on their own um, podcasts, the the company podcasts. You know, so they'll make a Coca-Cola podcast or something like that. Um, it, it is rarefied air in one way, and yet on the other, on the other side or the other hand, we should be taking so many lessons from them as independent creators. 100%. Because they're making not, I mean, listen, a lot of their success is because they are dealing with larger name brands that have a larger built in audience already available to them. But at the same time, they are creating phenomenal content, award winning content that, um, that will garner an audience that's not already associated with that particular brand that they're working with. So it is something that when they release an article like this, I take note of and I look to see exactly what they're doing. And so developing new podcasts, this is something that every single person should do, whether they're working in a collaboration as Pacific Content is, or if you're working with yourself. And really, if you're working with yourself, it's a lot more difficult to develop a podcast because you don't have a sounding board. You don't have anyone to sort of bounce ideas off of. Everything's coming from you. And oftentimes you miss being critical enough. Uh, and when I say that, you don't want to be hypercritical, but right. you also don't want to start, but you don't want to be undercritical either. You need to have just the right amount of criticism about what it is that you're doing and what the value is that you're providing in creating this podcast. And it's got to be just right. And it's very difficult to do if you're working solo. You got to work. You got to find a way to try and incorporate somebody else's suggestion, somebody else's opinion. And it shouldn't be friends and family only. You should, tr- You got to work on trying to find a, a neutral party of some sort. And there are avenues to do that. Um, just so you know, uh, I believe there's one on this podcast who who could help you tremendously with that sort of thing. And he's hmm. on the he's on the other microphone. Who uh, could it be? <laughs> who could it be now? I used to be uh, love, available for that sort of thing, but now I've been taken. Uh, so you I, I love their 
their questions that they ask up at the top. And I think that some of these questions I've actually put in my own like podcast 101 sessions and, and my launch uh, consultations that I do with clients. The very first one, why are we making a podcast in the first place? Yep. Boy, if you don't know your, I mean, that's <laughs> Dave Jackson always talks about, you got to know your why you got to know your why. Uh, I think so many people fall in love with the medium and they hear from almost every podcaster, even if the podcaster is not talking about podcasting very much, they do end up talking about the freedom of creation that this medium offers. And that's enticing all on its own. And they go, wow, it's just regular Joes and Janes out there making a, making a little radio show. I, I should make a podcast. And you're like, why? Well, because it's so easy to do. <laughs> Lots of things are easy to do, Jay. I don't do all of them. We all we all have finite time, right? Like life is life is short. Uh our hobbies, our our um responsibilities, our uh resources are all different and podcasting is not right for everybody. Some people even if you have a creative desire, some people would be much better served by just making a really active Instagram account or a really active YouTube channel, uh, short form content of whatever you want to be. But, but if you answer, if you answer this question and you have an answer to why are we making a podcast in the first place, then we can move on. <laughs> Correct. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Let's go next. Next. What's next? Next is who is the show designed to serve? Okay. All right. So uh, I got this question not too long ago. I got a couple of friends and they get together and they are just hilarious when they're together. They, I die laughing and I know other people would enjoy their content too. Uh, and I think they should have a podcast. Okay. So broop, let's go back to question one. Why are we making this podcast in the first place? These guys are just so entertaining. It's impossible that only I get to enjoy their content. Everyone should be enjoying their content. All right, not the best answer, but I'll accept it. Who is the show designed to serve? Well, I mean, they're just they're just hilarious. Everybody would love these people. No, 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 no. That answer I will not accept. Nope. You have to narrow down your focus. It's not everybody that's going to enjoy this content. Who is this content specifically going to serve? Now, you've mentioned that you have two guys talking, they're they're comical. It's enjoyment. Let's try and see, are we focusing this more towards a male audience? Are we focusing it towards a female audience? Are we focusing it towards a family audience? Are we focusing it towards an adult audience? We got to narrow focus what this is being served for because you are not going to have success by two guys sitting in a room, putting a mic on and just talking. Period. End of story. Like, you don't unless, even need to go through the rest of these questions. Unless, unless your answer to the first question is because we really enjoy each other's company and we want to have a regular engagement together. And the answer to the second question, who's the show designed to serve? It's us. We want to have a good time. And we have friends who don't live in our city but would love to join in our conversations. And this is a way for us to build more community and tie our, our friend group closer together. Jay? I started in podcasting with those exact answers. Uh, uh, Josh Shirley, my co-host on my original co-host on Always Listening and Pod on Pod before that, he and I had a show together called Two Guys One Podcast, and that was it. that was exactly it. He and I wanted to have a weekly commitment so that we could hang out, and then from there it turned out 
a lot of our college friends wanted to listen to us and relive that that goofy hangout time that we didn't get to have anymore. And some of them would send us emails and some of us would send us voicemail and some of us would, you know, just talk to us on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. But we had an interaction and an ongoing conversation in that friend group. And slowly, over the course of a couple of years, we ended up with two, three, four hundred people that were listening on a regular basis to that show. That's great. It was a tremendous success. Because what we were doing was trying to make ourselves laugh and enjoy our own time together and build a little tighter community amongst our friends group. So the show was designed to serve who, and it was serving who it was designed to serve, and it was uh, doing what we created it to do in the first place. And once it ran its course and we were sort of done with that, we had another goal in mind. We shut that show down and set it aside. I think these next two questions should be flip-flopped because I do think one of them is more specific to what Pacific content does than the other. And I believe the third question should actually be what they've presented as their fourth question. And that is, what does success look like? So as you just described in your experience there, Joel, what was, how are you describing success for that particular show? If you're designing it for you specifically, then it's just your enjoyment of the show. Do do you feel like you can't live without doing this show every week? I'm guessing that's what your measure of success was yeah. in that particular and instance. It, and it was so clear with the point when it changed. Josh and I both felt it. We don't we weren't looking forward to coming to the studio anymore week to week for that project. We had another project that had uh, stolen our passion. And so that had run its course. We just put it to bed eventually, you know? Uh, and and but yes, you're absolutely right. What does success look like? And you can't know you can't define success for yourself until you've answered those first two questions, I think. So right. that's the order. It's one, two, and then you move up the success question. The, now, I will say I like that question of overall brand strategy, the, yes. the third one that's in the middle. What role does the podcast play in the overall brand strategy? And I think that even applies to us as independent producers. Here's the exa- to, to take my example of Two Guys, One Podcast, our overall brand strategy had changed. Josh and I were both family men by the time the show was over, or he and Rachel, I think, were about to get pregnant at that point. Kelly and I had already had the girls when we put that show to bed. Uh, I was moving into independent podcast production, and Josh was moving up in the corporate world. Neither one of us needed that sort of racy, raw comedy to be the first thing that people found of us in the podcast space. It didn't fit our overall brand strategy anymore. Mm. So again, we put it away. It's not deleted. It's on the YouTubes and whatnot. But that's not the first thing you find when you search me anymore because it no longer fit our brand strategy. But to that point, if your answer of what does success look like, I want to make millions of dollars in the podcast industry. Okay, let's go back to your first questions. You're two guys that nobody knows that are making a podcast for yourself and your success is going to be millions of dollars. Failure, right off the bat. That's not going to be the best way to, to, to have a successful podcast in this particular instance. And then the podcast playing the overall brand strategy, uh, I don't hmm, – help me out here if you can find a way to fit that in with our example. I don't think there is a way. Well, so – other than what I you mean, mentioned with the racy comedy versus... Yeah, okay, yeah. You if know. you want to make millions and millions of dollars, you th- look at the shows that are on network television. None of them have 
you know, MA content. It's right. it's all, you know, PG-14 at most or whatever, TV-14. So, like, that that's another thing. Here, I will say this, Jay. The very idea that we that, that you brought to this overall, you know, a show for everybody is a show for nobody. I wonder what about that that we keep mentioning. Tom Webster in, in particular has mentioned it so many times in, in the past, that highly polished crap that we're all looking right. for, right? On on TV, I think about that highly polished crap and I do think it's kind of for everybody. And many times it's sort of for nobody in in its own way too. A lot of it is is such a genericized, uh, vanilla, uh, hurts nobody's feelings kind of thing. And I will say this: I think that's possible in podcasting too to have a big thing that is is so for everybody that it's almost for nobody. And yet, the only way to do that at quality, I would say, is to have an incredibly huge team. But like, it's just like on television. That's something that takes 150 people you know you can't do that <laughs> well by again yourself. again this is where the critical part comes in so takes a lot of hands to polish that turd tom <laughs> tom's also mentioned sort of you know the way that the the tv charts at the time when he gave this speech a couple years ago at podcast movement of uh, the roseanne bar show that show's not for everybody joel because there's uh there's at least 50 percent of the audience that's immediately gonna rip that show to shreds no matter what uh based on the politics of the show that's basically what i'm getting to there uh but it was the number one show in the in the country at that particular point however if you took the percentage of it being the number one show in the country at this point today and compared it to the number one show in the country say 20 years ago it's like a pimple it's like a pimple Right. It's it's puny. So I think that's that's part of the thing as we vanillicized or genericized our entertainment over the years to try and make a show for everybody. We've actually managed to shrink down the possibilities of people actually enjoying the entertainment that's being brought to us. And I think that's why shows that take huge risks and this comes to the next thing that they've presented here and how they uh, create successful podcasts and how they judge it, the amount of creative bravery as it increases and the amount of commitment as it increases, increases your chances to have a successful podcast. And I do think that's why we've seen shows like Game of Thrones, why we've seen shows like The Walking Dead that have taken, at the time, huge creative risks because there weren't a lot of zombie shows on television uh, that were successful, if ever, there were zombie shows on television. Uh, there wasn't a show previous to Game of Thrones that sort of, you know, encapsulated medieval lore and a fantasy world. Well, or, or the idea of, of having a, a show that 20 million people would watch that, that also has like 40 main characters. Right. That most people can't keep up with. I mean, that that's the joke, right? That nobody knows the names of all the characters on Game of Thrones. We all just call them, oh, it's, you know, pointy nose guy. Oh, it's rich boy. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, right. dragon queen, you know, whatever. So, so, so there's, there's truth to that. There's to have that sort of creative bravery and to make a show that is a risk that does something different than the norm. It's unique. It's a key word here. I want to caution all of you shiny new podcasters out there that got 
a microphone for Christmas, bought a new microphone for the new year, and you're ready to jump in and create your brand new show. What is unique about your show? What is different than what is being put out there already? Now, you can tell me that your content is exactly like the content being produced somewhere else, but it's better, and I will accept that answer. However, if that is your answer, and I'm listening to that particular content, oh, it better be better, because I'm going to be more highly critical of your content because you specifically told me that your content is different and unique because it is better than the competition. And if it's not, oh, I'm so sorry for you because you're not going to win in that particular instance. Well, and that that's another great point that, that uh, Pacific Content makes in this article is that so many people, uh, there's actually a tweet uh, from Barry podcasts in color in the middle of it says many podcasts are created because people don't think they already exist. Part of creating great things is understanding what exists and how you either compete or are different and clearly showing that so many people don't ever do the research mm. because they don't ask themselves those questions up front. What is our goal? You know, uh, why are we making a podcast in the first place and who is this show designed to serve? They just stumble into it as a creative endeavor. I think they think about it like journaling or, or, you know, blogging back in the day and they don't think about it at all as serving an audience and therefore they don't even consider market saturation or competition. It's just not a concern at all, Jay. I do think that many of our listeners do. I think they've sort of evolved past that stage. I, I often, I, I know a, a lot of, po- of folks that we're talking to are still on their first podcast, but I do think many of us, I think of us all as like second acts, right? Because it's not that first show you do. It's the second or the third show that you do. That's where we've sort of graduated. We're into that level of development. That's why I call us the podcasting middle class. We are thinking about these things, but I think a lot of our younger brethren are not. It's the reason why, for a lot of us, Jay, podcast Facebook groups are so annoying. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, honestly, because the questions they're asking are not the questions that we're asking in many times, uh, in many ways. This framework, though, going through this thing, before you launch a new show, before you start that third or fourth project, go through and ask yourselves these questions, and you are going to be so much better off First of all, you'll stop a bunch of projects before you ever start them because you'll find there's no audience or you'll find there's no purpose or you'll find you're not the one to make it. Right. Particularly if you're like, Jay, I will say it. We're both middle-aged straight white guys. Like, why do we need another take on video games or or you know politics or whatever from us from our audience isn't it already served isn't that question already answered isn't there someone else doing the podcast that you want that you can just go listen to and enjoy instead of having to break your back making it so you'll stop a bunch of projects to begin with but then the projects that you do pursue will be so much more focused and honed and and prepared before you ever begin them that the world at large and you as a creator will be much better served This is a great list. 100%. There's a lot more in this particular article. I encourage you all to to go and read it for yourselves about audience development and some more show development, very specific type stuff that Joel and I don't need to get into, into specificity here. 
wow, I don't think I pulled that off. Uh, certainly not cleanly. Uh, the, but I, it's a, the guys over at Pacific content put out not only great podcasts and they, they work with obviously some very big brand names, but they also put out great content in regards to how to make that great content. And for that, uh, they are an invaluable resource and, um, an invaluable member of this community. And I hope they don't stop. I don't believe that they ever will, but uh, I'm just putting that out there. I just want to let them know. I appreciate them. Uh, I agree. Uh, although I wish that their articles weren't all on medium. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Dylan. Jay, uh, why don't we save the rain article for yes. next week? Agreed. Okay. So folks, we've got a new segment here on the show and this is going to be something that we're going to bring you every week. Uh, a very cool update to uh, his website, Daniel J. Lewis uh, this data that we're going to bring you is courtesy of the My Podcast Review Service by Daniel J. Lewis. But we've mentioned him before. He's done a great job tracking these sorts of things uh, for a long time. But he's he's coalesced them all into one sort of dashboard that you can find. The link is in the show notes. You can see it for yourself. But if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you'll get a weekly update anyway. Uh, for the Apple Podcast directory, current totals. This is the valid podcast, so everything that, that shows a valid RSS feed, and uh, I think he's got a couple of, of other rules in there, has to have a, this isn't that yeah. has to have a episode released in the last four weeks, I don't think, because that number is like 200,000 or something. Um, um, I think yeah. this is just his total number of valid yeah. feeds. All of his definitions, yeah, I would just say all of his definitions are on his website. Feel are in free the fine to, print. to yeah. check it out. 847,344 total podcasts today in the Apple Podcast directory. And how many episodes does that make? 28,399,820. Goodness gracious. Um, added and removed. Here's interesting. Added mm -hmm. in the previous day. How many new podcasts were added? And this isn't episodes. This is new shows added yesterday. 4,081 shows added yesterday. It's a good time to be a new podcaster, apparently. <laughs> you're, you're not too late. Uh, shows removed, uh, we're talking about in the last 90 days, 23,341 shows were removed from the directory. So well, Apple is continuing their sweep. Those are dead feeds, largely, but also folks that violate the terms of service, um, keyword stuffing and things like that. He shows you the, the daily, um, you know, over the last seven days, how many have been added and removed in a nice little graph chart. So, by the way, you skipped added in the last 90 days. These are new mm. podcasts in the last three months. 111,604. And as you mentioned, those are new shows. Those aren't new episodes. New shows. 111,000. There was a time when Apple Podcasts only had 111,000 podcasts. It's, and it wasn't that so, long ago. It's so bizarre. I mean, I, I remember I remember well when that number was under 200,000. Uh, and that was the big thing, you know, there's so many, there's millions of blogs, but there's only 200,000 podcasts out there. You could be one of the, the few, uh, detailed activity, active versus inactive podcasts. So he defines active as any podcast that's published at least one episode in the last 90 days and inactive as any podcast that has not published any episode in that same time, 42%, 42.4% of the total directory. So, uh, of that 847, about 400,000 or so have produced an episode in the last 90 days. 57% have not. Uh, podcasts by available episodes in feeds. Uh, so 
if you have one episode in the feed that takes up 15.9% of the total directory, just two to three episodes in your feed, that's 14% of the total directory and four to nine episodes makes up 20%. So those three together is, is 50% of the total directory have nine or fewer episodes. And then you got 49% with 10 or more. So again, there's a ton of newbies in the space, but we know how that works, Jay. The vast majority, it's just like college campuses, right? Everybody's busy in the fall. It's a much less crowded in the spring as the freshmen fade away. Some of the freshmen fade away. Same thing will happen here with podcasts. Some of these folks are going to start it. They're going to realize how tough it is to continue with this medium, and they're going to fade away. These are interesting, interesting stats to track, not just as a snapshot, but over time, to watch over time as it ebbs and flows. Interesting to see the podcast by latest episode age. All right. Mm. This segment's podcast based on how recently the latest episode was published from each. This is not a chart of chart the age of all episodes. But interesting to note, zero to seven days is fairly average, I would say. When I'm looking at the graph, I would say that's an average number compared to the rest of the group. 91 to 365 days is the largest uh, grouping of this particular segment. Four to five years is the smallest, and five plus years is right at average again. Uh, it's I'm curious to see why the, the graph goes down in this way from one to two years, two to three years, three to four years, four to five years. There's a slope that happens there, and then five plus years, right back up to average. So I think part of that, Jay, is just that five plus years is is more than a year or two, right? So we've got a large podcasting has been around for effectively like the Apple podcast directory has been around 15 plus years now. Right. So you're talking about shows that ended five years ago to shows that ended 15 years ago. That's that's a 10 year window of potential uh, you know, shows that are in that one category, whereas before it's literally just a one year window. Mm. I think that uh, accounts for the statistical sort of anomaly there. Um, but what but what he's also showing us is many shows fade eventually. Even podcasters who do this right, who go in with a plan, who know who their audience is, who know what they're serving, almost all shows run their course at some point. I think that's what that shows. Fair. Uh, anyway, like we said, this will be a segment we will end every show on. Uh, so thank you, Daniel J. Lewis, for providing us with some wonderful content, mypodcastreviews.com. And of course, the link is in the show notes. I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited that he did that. Uh, speaking of, you might have noticed there was no sponsor for this episode. Uh, we are sponsoring ourselves, basically. So if you mm. have a product or an event or a service uh, or uh, a course that would benefit podcasters, you know who we're talking to. We're, ta we're talking about that podcasting middle class. If we, if our audience is your potential clientele, um, there are sponsorship opportunities. The link is in the show notes as well, but you can go to alwayslistening.pod for more info. Find the link there. Find the link in the show notes in uh, very reasonable rates. Hook us up and sponsor an upcoming episode of Always Listening. Did Drew let us know how our advertising campaign Pain worked for him. Uh, you know? I, he was very happy with it. That's, that's well, about all listen. he would say. He was very, very pleased with it. He that's did get, all you need to know. He he did get several comments from different people, like, "Hey, I've heard the Pog thing. It was kind of funny." So I think he was he was excited about that. Jay, if 
someone listening is a sports podcaster in particular, uh, they might want to reach out to you for some info, potential connections or opportunities. How would they do that? 100%. I'm the executive producer at the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm looking for especially college sports uh, podcasters. Uh, there's a number of schools that uh, we are looking for content providers for. So you can reach me at podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com or on Twitter at the real podvader. My DMs are open. You can slide right in. I won't think anything less of you. Uh, and me, I am Joel at propodcastingservices.com. That's my email. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, you can find me at my website, propodcastingservices.com. As, as Jay mentioned earlier, if you were thinking about launching a new show and you need some help with that process, if you'd like to build out a team, especially for your brand or business, uh, then folks, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to help you in the new year. We're very excited about what 2020 is going to bring for the world of podcasting and for all of our clientele. I'm excited to help a lot of folks spread their messages. Uh, until next week, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. And I'm Jay. And Joel, there was an interesting hashtag trending on the day we recorded this, hashtag Baby Yoda problems. And I do wonder, because I saw a funny tweet that said, nobody knows your real name, hashtag Baby Yoda problems. Uh, I do wonder if Pod Vader has the same effect on Jay Soderberg. It's an interesting thing I need to discover. I need to look into this. <laughs> I uh I apparently Taika Waititi and John Favreau both know Baby Yoda's actual name and I am a little tempted to go you know bum rush one of them at an airport or something and and get it out of them. Uh we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn.
two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.